podcast for July 23rd, 2023. I'm sitting here with my friend Brad. Brad, say hi to the friends at home. Hi, friends at home. And uh, Marissa Carter, my colleague. Marissa. And Dave. Dave's not here. Dave's not here. It's going to be such a good day. (laughs) That's awful. I hope he listens to this. Poor Dave. Poor Dave. He's uh, he's out uh, visiting our students at camp this week, and I'll go down tomorrow. Uh, So it's just the three of us. And um, since we're kind of getting to the middle part of summer, what's been the best part of summer so far? If each one of you had to say, this is my best moment of summer 2023. Now, it's only half over, so we've got more to go. Uh, but last week, uh, my wife and I took off to Arkansas for a couple of days just to shop. But we came back early because uh, Seth is interning at South Tulsa Baptist yeah. under a pastor whom shall remain nameless. <laughs> <laughs> he, he who we do not name. And uh, he, Eric Costanzo let him do about 10 minutes of the sermon that morning. So that was fun yeah. just to sit there and to see my son up preaching and thinking, man, he's starting off a lot better than what I did when I was his <laughs> age. Uh, so that was, that was just a good, a good moment. Yeah. He led so, worship last week, yeah? Led worship last week. And so uh, a... he, he, my son did say, because he's interned here a couple of summers, he's like, Dad, Eric's let me do a lot of stuff you'd never let me yeah. do. And I'm like, well... He's like the Shohei Otani of... Of Christianity, yeah, that's, yeah. he's like doing it all, doing it all. That's right. So, uh, Brad, Marissa, best part of summer. Who wants to go? Okay, I'm gonna go first because Brad's probably got something a lot more edifying than me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brad doesn't even know what that word means. <laughs> Yours is gonna sound a lot better and more spiritual. Oh, um, okay. but uh, yeah, just being with my family. Um, you know, we were on vacation a couple weeks ago in, and, in Hawaii, oh. and um, just uh. <sighs> Having a relaxed, joyful times with my family is is a great part of summer. Just not having all those um, appointments and uh, scheduled events and lessons and all that, and just being able to be Isn't and being great? able to rest I is my favorite a, part. She's saying relax and rest, but I saw an awful lot of hey, we're hiking up this mountainous trail videos. Yeah, being in creation. That's a wonderful way to rest. Yeah. So. Didn't say <laughs> very restful. <laughs> Well, we are, you know, it's different between, you know, doing stuff and having to do stuff. Oh, yeah. There's so, a fine point there. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, when, when we're on our day-to-day life, we have to do stuff. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. so when you're on vacation, it's just, if we want to yeah. hike, great. If we don't, that's yeah. fine too. Yeah, yeah. None of us are morning people, but on vacation, we wake up at like 5.30. You're ready. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Bradford, what about you? Um, so far, it's been, um, I got to do a mission trip to Brazil. You're, you're right, Marissa. Yep. It's yeah, really, holy, yeah. really holy. Really <laughs> holy. Well, I mean, it's not like we didn't have fun while we were doing it, but um, it was the, the highlight of the year thus far. So mm-hmm. uh, we had a chance to sing and play in front of... Um, a lot of people and get to share the gospel. And then we also got to eat at, it seems like a Brazilian steakhouse every day. Yeah. You know what they call a steakhouse in Brazil? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Steakhouse. Yeah. Brazilian steakhouse. Sorry. A Brazilian steakhouse in Brazil is just known as a steakhouse. steakhouse. There we go. It's like French fries. That's right. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was great. And then we also, on the way out, meaning the day we were going to the plane to get, come back home, we got to drop by Iguazu 
Falls, which is the largest waterfall system in the world, um, roughly 20 times the size of Niagara. Wow. And uh, quite just God's creation at work, as Marissa said. And it's just amazing. Everywhere you look, because it was a sunny day, because of the mist in the air, it was a rainbow, like all directions. It was really kind of cool. nice. Yeah. So uh, what, what was the volume of that waterfall like? I mean, I just would imagine it. It was would... massive. It was, it was it, a, it, just, it didn't hurt your ears, but it was thunderously loud. And it created its own wind when the water would come off mm. the falls and hit. I had nothing else to say but a big poof of air. And there's a bridge out into the middle of the falls. You can walk out on the bridge, and this wind just—it's like 35, 40 miles an hour. He said, "Poof, poof." poof. I'm taking your man poof. guard after this uh, <laughs> gathering. <clears throat> All right. Well, I hope you're having a great summer, whoever you are listening to this. And no doubt, the highlight of your summer will be listening to this podcast today. For sure. I really think that's going to be somebody's highlight. Um, <laughs> so let's talk through. This is for July 23rd. We're still in Hebrews. Um, you know, the teaching series has been going okay so far. Uh, <laughs> Selling yourself short. It's, it's great. It's, it, this has been a, there's, there's every now and then, what I compare this to is, uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of funerals, and early on, um, I, I had trouble getting emotional during funerals, believe it or not. But then after I did one particularly difficult funeral, after that I was like, oh, all other funerals in comparison to this is, is easy. You know, mm-hmm. somebody I was very close to. And so I feel that way with Hebrews, as this is really challenging me to the utmost of my ability. And so I think after this, preaching is going to be a breeze after this. <laughs> right. it's just, You're not going to prepare ahead of time. I'm just going to get up there and just wing it. It's going to yeah. just seem easy. So this has been challenging for me and uh, hopefully rewarding for you. And it just gets more difficult. I will say, uh, you get through chapter 9 and 10, and the clouds, for me at least, seem to lift. And uh, Hebrews 11, 12, and 13 is a little bit easier to consume. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say every week gets just a little more challenging. Well, here it is. Let me read the first five verses, and then I'm going to lean on Marissa because I imagine she loves stuff like this, <laughs> okay, because of her love for uh, the Older Testament and Jewish tradition. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room, there were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherub of glory overshadowing the atonement cover, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. So we're going to pause there for just a minute before we take the next paragraph. Marissa, in your love for Older Testament history, does all this just kind of whet your appetite? Well, I love um, the descriptions that we have of the tabernacle, and it kind of, you think of the temple as the ultimate indwelling of God um, in the Older Testament, but it's the tabernacle that gives us so much detail and um, so much divinely ordained um, and minutia of the creativity of it. It's, It's the section of scripture that has the most artistic flair. It shows the creativity of God and the way that he partners with people to, to, um, to develop our artistry and creative process. And um, it's just very meticulous how God revealed every detail of the tabernacle to Moses. Just um, 
you know, six and a half chapters were dedicated just to, to what this was supposed to look like, and, and nine chapters detailing how the priests were to serve within it, and six more chapters explaining how the people actually built it. And so it was just very, very detailed, showing um, that none of this was accidental, and none of it was, um, though it would, God used the hands of men to build it, this was God's indwelling. This is exactly how he wanted it to look, to be a reflection of what heaven looks like. Um, the, the word symbolic is uh, actually the word, uh, uh, and I'm forgetting it in, in Greek, but it's the same word as parable. All of this was a parable of heaven. All of this was a parable of Christ. All of this was a parable of, of what it's supposed to look like to be in fellowship with God, um, and how how much he cares for us, the manna, how much he loves us and wants to be with us since the beginning of time. He's wanted to be with us. Um, and yet his holiness um, necessitates sacrifice. And there's this barrier of sin and barrier between us and God so that the intimacy that he desires for us and we desire with him can't be achieved unless something else is fulfilled. Yeah. So, so I think um, as we think through the Older Testament, it's important to, to see the small picture, but also see the big picture. So as I talk to people who read the Older Testament, they go, I, I'm in Leviticus, I'm in the middle of all these particular laws and rules, and boy, I get lost and weighed down. And, and I go, well, that's, that's going to be the norm. That's nor- the point, yeah, too. Now, <laughs> now imagine if you had to actually live out all of this stuff. Yeah. But it is, it's the idea that God cares about every part of our life. He cares about every detail of our life. Not that we should, you know, be paranoid or, you know, have to work out all these details all at the same time. But God cares about every detail, particularly worship. But the big picture, and I'll talk about this Sunday as a reminder, um, when you wanted to meet with God, you went to the temple mm-hmm. or before that, the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to meet with God, you had to go through a priest to do so. And if you wanted to meet with God, you had to bring a sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice offered. And in the New Testament, Jesus is pictured as all three of those. Mm-hmm. He's pictured as the place that we go to. In him, the fullness of deity dwells. Jesus is our high priest. You know, He is the one who goes into the Holy of Holies to represent us. And he is our perfect sacrifice. So all these images in Hebrews about how does one meet with God, that's the old covenant to see temple, priest, offering. Now we see all of those, not condensed, but captured in mm-hmm. Christ. And so uh, I wish the writer of Hebrews, he said, we do not have time to discuss these things in detail. Totally. I wish he would have. Yeah, an asterisk. See Deuteronomy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been great to say, okay, now here's what these things mean for your faith. You yeah. know? Uh, so let me read the next paragraph. Uh, when everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry out their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people who had committed these things in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place, the way into the presence of God, had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. 
So do you think it's overstating it, Marissa, and I've said this before, that the reason God established the religion of the Older Testament was to prove the point once and for all that religion doesn't work? Hmm. Is that overstating it a bit for your taste? Um, I don't... I I think it might be overstating. I think it it gets to... um, the need for for a continuation in the story, um, but that it didn't work. I think it worked for God's purposes. Right. I think it did. Ex- it told us exactly what He wanted to tell us about ourselves and Himself. Brad, remind Marissa that she's just always supposed to agree <laughs> with me on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not mind disagreement. This yeah, is. Yeah. By, by the way, going back to the big picture of this podcast, that's why we started this because we would pound out some thoughts behind the scenes before it would be taught on Sunday morning or in the pastor's cut. Mm-hmm. I like disagreement because it hones my. It hones <laughs> He's my saying ability. now on the. Uh, I'm gritting my teeth. I regret. really don't like it. No, I don't mind just being disagreed with yeah. at all. So uh, explain yourself. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think the whole thing about Hebrews is. Um, you know, I, this book has been used for so long in a kind of an anti-Semitic way. Right. And um, even, um, uh, I, I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast before, but um, Jewish kids in Israel um, use the Gospels to learn their history. Really? It's, it's a first-hand, okay. you know, first-person account of their history. It's the, be- it's the best um, historical document we have for the history of, of Israel at this time, first century Israel. So, um, so Hebrew kids, Israeli kids learn the gospels and then they are required to learn one other book. And most often they choose Hebrews just because of the name. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, obviously it's, I'll go for Hebrews. got my identity written but right on it. But it is so difficult, just like you said. Yeah. So it's like, wow, that's, that's a really big chunk for these kids to pull, <laughs> you yeah. know, to chew. Um, but, uh, so in that, there's so many Israeli uh, scholars that know about this book and have studied this book in school, and the vast majority will say this is an anti-Semitic book. Mm. This is a book that says that, you know, that discards all of our history, everything that God gave us. What I believe that the author of Hebrews is saying is this was good. This was beautiful. This was a gift. This was divine. This was what God established for us to be in relationship with him, but it was limited. And from the point in the garden when, when God gave us, you know, clothing, garments in our sin so we could be uh, is somewhat in relationship with him, you know, it required a blood sacrifice to create those garments, um, to, uh, I think, Abraham being hospitable to the angels um, in, the, in, uh, in his tents, and then Moses being in the tent of meeting with God and, and having that intimacy that no one had ever had before, and then the tabernacle system, which is incarnational, it's God indwelling in his people, and then the temple and, and David, and then the life and the birth and the teachings of Jesus. There's just a trajectory of incarnation throughout the scriptures. The next step being a little bit more um, all-encompassing not just for the individual like it was for Moses, but you know the tabernacle was for the entire people of Israel. Yeah. Um, just this, there are steps; it's a trajectory, and so it doesn't discount the last step in that incarnation. But it, but why would you want to go back? Right. Um, everything just points towards greater intimacy, greater relationship with God. And th- this is why I value healthy disagreement because it does help me refine my own thoughts. So instead of saying you know, God established the Jewish religion to show that religion didn't work. Probably a better way to say that was uh, God in establishing the Jewish religion 
uh, and I'm using those words, just broad brushstrokes, but to show that religion itself was incomplete. Mm, yes. And I think that's a better way to say it because it's completion, it's fulfillment. I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus said that, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but it, it, it completes it and com- completes that incarnational desire of God to be among his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. See, disagreement's good. But by the way, let me let me do talk about incarnational for just a moment, and that's uh, incarnation. We talk about Jesus being made flesh and dwelling among us. Um, that that word is becoming more and more important to me in ministry, as our world shifts more digital. I think it's important for us. It's imperative for us to be more incarnational. Um, not not to say that using digital devices is wrong. I use them every day. I use them extensively. But what really makes a difference is sitting face-to-face, eye-to-eye, holding somebody's hand when they grieve. There's mm-hmm. some things you just can't do across digital medium. Uh, sure, I'm glad that God didn't send an email. He <laughs> came to us in Jesus. So, all right, are we ready You're to saying God, God is analog? <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of saying that. He's analog, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you, Brad. That just... I think we're going to draw it to a close. That's all we need to do right now. <laughs> thank you. Good night. Good, thank you. Good night. All right. So let's handle the last paragraph. And when I'm going to teach this here in a few weeks, I'm going to focus on uh, verse 14. But uh, Marissa, would you read 11 through 14? Sure. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death? so that we may serve the living God. There we go. So I, I said a minute ago that throughout the New Testament, we, we are introduced to Christ both as temple slash tabernacle, um, as priest, and we see just a glimpse of that here. But really the focus of this last paragraph is Christ being our sacrifice. And it really does, you, know, you can just imagine everything coming to a point in Christ, uh, place and person and the perfect sacrifice. Sorry, I've got to alliterate it. It's got to be three Ps. <laughs> it, it all comes to bear on him. And the goal, and where I'm going to focus on verse 14, is we have now been set free. And there's a little bit of discussion to cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death. There's two ways to interpret that. Uh, one is to cleanse our conscience from the acts that lead to death is going through all the temple rituals and rigors that mm-hmm. would result in the death of sacrifice of, a, of an animal. So we're, we're freed from that or um, from acts that lead to death, sinful acts that lead to our death. And mm-hmm. how you interpret that, it can kind of go both ways, and who knows, it might mean both. Mm-hmm. But we're, we don't have to worry any longer about making those yearly, annual sacrifices. The perfect sacrifice has been made for us. We also don't have to be held captive by the sins that have held us for so long. Mm-hmm. We are now free, and the result of that freedom is that we may serve the living God. We are fully alive as we serve the living God. Um, Russ, anything anything you disagree with about that? Not there? a thing. Oh, good. <laughs> good, because I like what I'm thinking yeah, right no, now. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, was it verse 7? I can't remember, but... Um, 
the fact that the the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to um, offer sacrifice for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. So you had the daily offerings that were for sins that we knew about, and then the sins committed in ignorance were just as damning as those sins that we knew about. So the Day of Atonement was that day to capture all the sins that we did in ignorance. Um, And there's so much significance in the fact that the priest went in for himself first, um, atoned for his own sins in ignorance before he could atone for the sins of the people. And how um, just what a picture of the severely restricted access we had to God, that it was a beautiful gift that we were able to have that access, that God indwelled with us in that way, but also just how how limited we were by our sin um, and this freedom that we have in Christ making the sacrifice, that he covered the sins that we know about, he covered the sins uh, that we don't know about, you know, the sins done and undone as we as we pray, um, and, and that he took an um, experience that was holy but tinged with terror and made it something free and beautiful and an act of worship. Because for everyone that went to the temple um, to worship, it was this wonderful feasting experience. They were so excited. It happened three times a year, and they were excited to do it. It was a festival. It was like Thanksgiving. But for the priest that was more, most intimately acquainted with God, it was terrifying. You know, it, it was not a time, you know, the rabbis even said, you know, you do not go in there to pray. Don't be praying in there because that will make us worry about you yeah. <laughs> if you take too long. He had a rope tied around him and, and uh, bells on his ankles so that they knew that everything was cool in there. <laughs> you know? And and if it went, if the bells went silent, they'd pull you out because you were dead because of God's holiness. That's not good. No. So this was, you know, this was being in the presence of God was something that was terrifying. So the freedom to worship and commune with our Father um, in a way that wasn't tinged with terror is such a beautiful gift that Jesus has given us. Yeah, I also want to focus on the word unblemished here for just a minute, because if you are familiar with reading the Older Testament, it talks about uh, making a sacrifice, and whether you give from the the herd or the flock, um, don't give an offering that is blemished or damaged. In other words, don't don't look out at your flock of sheep and go, well, there's one lame in the leg, I'll give that one to God. Mm-hmm. Because in a way, you're just kind of offloading on God what what you don't need anyway, or what would have, you would eventually lost um, regardless. And it's the idea of, of God wants not what's left over, He wants our very best. Mm-hmm. And I think He modeled that in Christ. And he didn't send anybody else to do His dirty work. Jesus Christ is God in flesh, unblemished, sinless, to sacrifice. Because God gave his very best, we also should return that to him, not because we have to, mm-hmm. but because we want to. We see what great love, and that should spark great love in us. Right. All right. I'm, I'm about out of stuff. Are you about out of stuff, or you got more? You're still looking at your screen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always do. Yeah. yeah. What, what, <laughs> else, you, what else you got, Marissa? Um, I think one thing that we need to talk about in our community groups, and I'll be writing about it in the pastor's cut, is that the freedom and boldness that we have in coming to Jesus now as a brother, um, coming to God as a father, um, that is not due to our goodness, um, or uh, and it's not um, an illustration of the dampening of God's holiness, but it's due to the magnitude of Jesus' sacrifice and just the, the, uh, the colossal breach that was bridged through Jesus. Um, so I don't think that we should, and I don't think we consciously do this, 
but we should be humbled by this, just like you were saying. Yeah. Um, just the the um, amount of love um, that was in that sacrifice and the amount of completeness and fulfillment that is there, it should make us eternally grateful for the relationship that we have with God, that there were people for centuries and millennia that longed for the relationship with God that we have today, that did everything, that followed the book to the letter and did all those sacrifices, did all those rituals, and still longed for the intimacy that we have so easily. And we given. take it for granted, don't And we, we take it for granted. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So, so my charge would be, if I'm teaching this in a community group, uh, where I'll spend some time on teaching this is we, we serve the living God. Mm-hmm. Um, how tangibly do we do that? And I think we need to be very, very tangible in our application of this. What does it mean to serve the living God? And, um, you know, I've often quoted before the words by Elizabeth Elliot, do the next right thing. There's so much we could be doing, but as we move through life, we, we are aware of God's presence. He has put us in this present moment. So what does it mean to serve Him right now? It's not some ideal we shoot for one day. It is at this moment, I serve the living God. So um, do y'all mind if I make one quick public service announcement? Do it. This is going to embarrass Marissa. So... Um, uh, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, and they kind of heard what what's happening in Southern Baptist circles, and ah. and kind of downplaying <laughs> women in leadership, which I I don't agree with at all. And I think we've we, we've not spent a whole lot of time focusing on that because it's so divisive. And I want to just keep us focused on let's move forward, let's serve God, let's advance the kingdom. But somebody legitimately said, "Well, does that mean Marissa's no longer going to do the podcast? You know, <laughs> is she not allowed to do the podcast?" So, Marissa, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks, Darren. Oh, man. So, see, somebody's going to stop listening right now and, <laughs> and really think that's legitimate. So um, I just want everyone to know who's, who's keeping up with what's happening in Southern Baptist circles. My theology on this is pretty simple. God can use anyone he chooses in any way he pleases. And Marissa, and I think Brad would agree, and I'm certain Dave would agree as well, she has some incredible teaching gifts that we are honored to use here on this podcast. In fact, I think the feedback I get is people would rather listen to you than listen to me or Dave, <laughs> me enough, quite honestly. Uh, but also, I think, um, just as a personal note, I think it's the height of arrogance for any man to say, well, I have nothing to learn that a woman could teach me. Hmm. Uh, I just think that that flies in the face of being humble before God and teachable through life. So, Marissa, thank you for what you do. Thank, thank you for you. doing it so well. And thank you for representing Christ on this church staff. It's an honor. Thank you. All right. Brad, <laughs> anything else you want to say? Here, here. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, re- I agree. I, I, I'm glad. And I think that's just the, you know, and here's the deal. We're going to keep focused on serving our community and mm-hmm. sharing the gospel and the things that divide. Well, we'll just... Distractions. They're distractions. Yeah. Right. Distractions typically divide. Let's mm-hmm. keep focused on our mission. Uh, I will say that Brad put a little piece of candy in here for both me and Marissa. Oh, uh, What from, are they? What from are they? Brazil. From Brazil. What is it called? Paco Quita? Paco Quita. Yes. It's, it's like a little peanut butter snack, and it's very It is good. like the inside of a Reese's without the chocolate on the outside. Shoot, oh, y'all. Oh, man. Um, Thanks, Brad. Now, if you put that in the bottom <laughs> of your suitcase... <laughs> I actually went to the convenience. This, 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 this <laughs> Some is ASMR. The, this is the uh, 
the standard size you see at all the convenience stores. Okay. And there was one right across the street from where we were staying. So I went over to ask if they had bigger sizes. And he said, through my Google Translate app, <laughs> uh, no, but I do have an entire box of the little ones. So he sold me a 100-count box <laughs> nice. that fit in my duffel bag. I can't give these things away. I know. Please eat more. Yes, but for $12 for 100 That's nice. not too bad. Well, I, I hope you can't. You can't eat it at home, but didn't that sound good? That just sounds good. Anything in plastic is good. Thank you, Bradley. You're quite welcome. So let's do what Hebrews 9 uh, teaches us to do. Let's serve the living God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen.